As a control enthusiast, I'm all business when I travel. Even when I travel for leisure. So I go national, where I can choose any available upgrade in the aisle without starting any conversations or paying any upcharges. What can I say? Control suits me. Go national. Go like a pro. Okay, before we dive into control, how many of you are old enough to remember the leisure suit that you just saw? Jason Jones, you're old enough. Yes, you probably had one. Steve Lee, you had one, I guarantee you. How many of you men, let's be honest, God's in the room. How many of you men had a leisure suit? Mike Benefield, you had a leisure suit, didn't you? <laughs> I had one. They, they were in style for two months. <laughs> Look at that. They, they were terrible. And mine was a baby blue denim. I mean, it had everything that was absolute. Clayton, you had like a mint green, didn't you, or a lime mint green or something, and but did you see the stacks that guy had on? Those used to be in style. I'm 5'9". I, I used to be 6'1". Uh, and I wish stacks would go back in the style. Those were really cool. But we won't talk anymore about the leisure suits. We're going to talk about control. Are you a control enthusiast this morning? Let me ask you a better way. Are you a control freak? Some of you aggressively are control freaks. I mean, you've got to possess it, control it, and determine it. Others of you are, are slyer. You just manipulate. You hoard a little bit. You, you do things to where you're in control. We have control issues. Most of us do. And, and today we're going to look at something we can control, that God has given us the, the ability to control. Next Sunday morning, we're going to look at, and I think it's very important, what do we do with the thousand things we cannot control? The weather, people, et cetera, et cetera. But this morning, we're going to look at a gigantic thing that you control, and here it is. You control you. You control you. We're going to look at a lot of different scriptures this morning. So write them down. Follow along. If you've got uh, on your, your Bible app, you can follow along. may be hard to follow in the Bible, but, but follow along with us. Listen, you want to control your girlfriend or your boyfriend. You want to control your husband or wife. You want to control your team. I understand that. You want to control that other team. You want to control your parents. Amen, up front rows. Your parents, believe me, they want to control you. But all of us, I mean, we have some ability to, to inf- we have a lot of ability to influence people. But the only person that we really can control is us. And, and this is gigantic. Folks, listen, we live in a day where the victim is celebrated. And people claim victim status all the time. Now, I want to say this, that that is by no means someone that is truly a victim that has been abused, been taken advantage of. Man, that is terrible. And we need to lean to and help people who have been victimized. But a lot of times what we've learned today in our society is, is when we make a bad grade or things don't go our way or we get fired or, or we're not happy with this or that, we're the victim. It's, our, it's someone else's fault. We have no control of that. A lot of times that's just not true. So I want us to look at six areas this morning, and we'll be quick, I promise, don't panic, that you have control of in your life. And man, get control of these things and taking responsibility. By the way, God's going to hold you accountable for these things. will change your life. I believe that. Here's the first thing. You control your attitude. You control your attitude. You can control 
your thought process. It, now, all of these things are predicated on someone being normal, and, and I, I'm not trying to be funny. I mean, someone that is psychologically and emotionally and mentally healthy enough to be, able, to be responsible for themselves. But you can control your mindset and your attitude and, and what you think and what you focus on. This is so important, so, so important. William James was an early psychologist at Harvard years ago, and he made a tremendous statement. He said, we can change our life by changing our thoughts. Jesus says that. We're going to see that in a moment. You, you can change your life by changing your thoughts. Here's another great quote. I don't know who said this, but it's so good. You cannot control a whole lot of what happens to you. You absolutely have control of your attitude about what happens to you. You can't control a lot of the things that happen, but you can control your attitude about what happened. That's absolutely the truth. And let, let me tell you, when you're talking about controlling your attitude... Controlling your attitude, I want to give you a couple of thoughts. First of all, man, you've got to be really intentional and determined. I, I mean, you, you, cannot be, you cannot be slack about keeping your thoughts in line. You cannot be careless about having the right attitude or the right thought process. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, listen to what it says. It says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts. Now, other translations say, and I think rightly, not just, it, it's, it's not teaching about you're trying to capture someone else's thoughts. He's telling us what we do and what we should tell other people to do. You capture your thoughts. And you teach people to obey Christ. The, the idea of capturing someone, you think about this. If you're going to capture another adult today, you're going to capture them Put them in your trunk, get them home, and get them in a place where they are secure. That's going to take effort if they're not a kindergartner, isn't it? That's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And, and God's saying, listen, a lot of us, man, we think things we shouldn't. We, we have bad attitudes. We're negative, And it's everybody else's fault, isn't it? It's their responsibility. They're, they've done it to me. And God says, no, you are in control of your attitude. But it's going to take determination and effort to think the right way. Let me give you another thought. Again, this is a sermon series. And I'm just trying to bring it down to one point. But you, you want to focus your things on Jesus' thoughts, on biblical thoughts. You, you need the mind of Christ. In Philippians 2 5, it's such a great verse. Philippians 2 5, you must have the same attitude that your mama had. You must have the same attitude that your old grouchy mean grandpa had. No, it doesn't say that. See, that's what you, you say, well, I'm just I'm the way I am because of my parents. Well, your parents have influenced you, but you can change. Well, it's just in my bloodline. No, it's not. You should have the attitude of Christ. What he's telling us here, we control our attitudes. You choose to think positive thoughts, pure thoughts, righteous thoughts, holy thoughts, biblical, a biblical mindset, what God's telling us here. And the last thing on the, on the attitude, I would say think positively. Be a positive thinker. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to deal with issues that you ignore things and you, you're all fluffy. Oh, the tornado's coming and it's fixing to destroy my house. But I'm giddy about that because I'm positive. No, you're dumb if that's your attitude. You deal with the hard things. You don't ignore reality, but you decide that your mind and your focus is going to be on the positive. Let me just stop and say this real quick. Do you know why a lot of us in this room do not have much influence for Jesus? It's not because... We're not pure, and we're not trying to live holy lives. We're just negative people. And that doesn't reflect on God well at all. In Philippians 4, 8, look what he says. He says, and now, dear brothers, fix, again, that effort, fix your thoughts on what's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. 
Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You are in control of your attitude. Be positive in your thinking. I've seen tons of reports like this, but, but it's so interesting. Optimistic people have a, the, the cortisol, which is your stress hormone, is lower in optimistic people. They have a better immune system. They have a reduced chronic stress and less risk for heart disease. It pays to think positive. And you have a choice here with your attitude. You absolutely do. Dr. Viktor Frankl was a Jewish psychiatrist. He wrote a book I would tell you it's a great book to read, Man's Search for Meaning. Dr. Frankl was a Jewish man who lived in Europe in the wrong time in the 1930s and 40s. He ended up going to a concentration camp. In fact, he went to two. Everyone around him died, but he survived two or three years in some of the worst places. After he got out, one of the things he said is that people can take away almost everything from you, your clothes, your family, your jewelry, your money. They can stick you in a stinky place living in filth with rats. They can take away all your freedoms, but they cannot take away your choice, your ability to control your attitude. Isn't that neat? You have, you have control of your attitude. You have control of it. Here's the second thing. You have control of your effort of your effort. Man, we need to hear this. I wonder this morning how many students in here, you're making C's when you should be making B's. Or are you making B's when you could be making A's? But I know it's the teacher's fault. Please don't raise your hands. You're going to get in trouble with your parents later. I know it's, it's the people sitting beside you's fault. Or maybe it's at work. You know, you're not getting a raise. You're not getting a promotion. Things aren't going well at work. And it's everybody else's fault. It's not the fact that you don't do a good job and you don't work hard. And, and some of us are going, you know, if my wife just tried harder, I would bet if we got her in counseling, she would say, I wish my husband would try harder. The only person you can control ultimately is you, and you can control the effort you put into marriage, school, sports, life, work, you and you alone control it. And Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, listen to what he says. Work willingly at whatever you do. Work, school, sports, home, whatever, as though you were working for Jesus rather than for people. Now, that's a great verse. God's saying, do your very best. You control your effort. Now, I want to give you the context to this verse, which makes it really neat. Verse 22 through 24. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for Jesus rather than people. And in verse 24, remember that the Lord's going to honor you and give you an inheritance and a reward that the master you're ultimately serving is Christ. The Bible never thinks slavery's a good thing. Slavery's never been a good thing. 2,000 years ago in Jesus' world, slaves was super common. They, they estimate 60 million people may have been slaves in the Roman world. It wasn't based on a, on a color or, or on you know, who you were. It was based basically, if you were a captive to the Roman Empire, you became a slave. 
And you could be someone who worked in the field or worked in the house. You could be a medical doctor who was a slave. And slavery's always been terrible. And, and Paul, God through Paul says in other places, if a slave can become free, get free. And we believe Christianity ultimately is the reason slavery was abolished and, and is illegal in every part of the world today, even though it still happens, it's illegal because of Christianity. But here's what Paul was saying. Even if you find yourself in the worst predicament, a slave, you be the best slave you can be. Is that not incredible? Folks, you cannot control a lot of things, but you absolutely control your effort. There's no excuse, especially if you say you're a Christian, for not being a hundred percenter whether it's at church, your family, with your friends, at school, wherever it is, whatever it is. Most of you would recognize the name Bill Gates. You know who Bill Gates is? Bill Gates, I read this week, is worth $87 billion. Go home and figure out what you make a year and multiply that by 10000 and you probably won't make $87 billion. I pray that Bill Gates will move to Ruston, become a Christian if he's not, Give money to Tech and Grambling and Cedar Creek and Ruston and join First Baptist and Tithe. Amen. Paul Allen's been with Bill Gates most of their, their working life. Here's what it, Paul Allen says about Bill Gates. He says, his work ethic, his effort is incredible. He said, we've been on projects where I've seen him work until he literally passed out at the computer and would sleep a few hours, wake up mid-sentence and continue on. He didn't get to where he was by accident. And I'm just telling you, you can't control a lot of things, but you can control the effort you bring to everything in every situation in every relationship. Quit waiting on everybody else to make the effort. You control your effort. Here's the third thing. We control our responses. You control your responses, how you respond to people and to situations. Man, this is big, too, because we say all the time, they made me do this, right? It's their fault. They did this, so I did that. God says, listen, you control your response. Jesus really comes in, and he says some stuff that's not fun in Matthew 5, verse 38 through 41. You have heard this. The law says punishment much match the injury, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Originally, that was kind of to keep crimes balanced. Somebody knocks out a tooth, you don't chop their ear off or their arm off. You take a tooth. But obviously, it got out of hand. And Jesus said, that's kind of the law of retaliation. Look what he says in verse 39. You have heard, go ahead, let's roll it forward. Eye for eye, tooth for a tooth. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, Offer the other cheek also. Now, that gets misinterpreted. That's basically talking about a backhand slap when you're facing someone, you're slapped on the right cheek. When he's saying when people insult you, your natural response is to our reaction is to insult them back. He said, turn the other cheek, offer it to them. Someone takes you to court and sues you. Uh, Give them your, they want your shirt, give them your coat also. Wow, Jesus is making this not fun. He's making it pretty tough. Jesus tells us that when people are mistreating us, if we move forward, let's go forward to verse. 
If a Roman soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, listen, a Roman soldier in this day in the Roman Empire could come to you any place and say, you carry my gear for a mile. And people would mark it for one mile. Jesus said, they come and say, carry it for a mile, you respond by carrying it two miles. Well, Jesus just really put the ball back in our court. Jesus said, I want you to respond differently because you have control of how you respond. Let's look at some other verses here. Verse 43 through 46. You have heard the law say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's how we act. People are going to be nice to me, I'll be nice to them. They love me, I'll love them. Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives the sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for you? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. Jesus says, listen, I want you to be different. People are mean to you. I want you to love them. People are mean to you. I want you to pray for them. Let's look at verse 47 and 48. If you are kind, some translations quote that. If you're friendly, if you greet only your friend, how are you different from anyone else? Now, how many times, I've heard this 10,000 times in my life. Well, I was walking down the hall, and they didn't speak to me. Here's my first question. Did you speak to them? Well, no. I'm not going to speak to them if they don't speak to me. And Jesus says, that makes you no different, if you're claiming to be a Christian, than anybody else. Folks, let me challenge you something. When you see people, say hello and speak to them. If they don't speak to you, either they didn't, they, they didn't see you, they didn't notice you, or they're an idiot. Okay? Are you comfortable with that? And... and don't laugh at their face, but laugh at them. In Proverbs, it says the unfriendly person is not a smart person. You don't be friendly and kind, Jesus says, based on what they do to you. You respond properly to people. In verse 48, he drives it home. But you are to be perfect. That means mature, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Jesus says, I want you to respond differently. I want to go back to that Dr. Victor Frankel in the concentration camps. He said, you never lose your right to control your attitude. But he also said, you never lose your right or your ability to control how you respond to others. Dr. Frankel said, I saw people, men, living walking skeletons, dying, walk up. He said, very few people, but I saw a few, walk up and actually comfort other people who were dying and give their last piece of bread to someone else instead of taking it for themselves. Dr. Frankel said, and this is what Jesus says, you have the ability to control your attitude. You have the ability to control your effort. And you have the ability to control how you respond to people. Here's the fourth thing, and this goes certainly hand in glove. You you control your actions. You control what you do. Again, we're victims. We have excuses. Well, I'm not going to do this because they didn't do this. They're not treating me this way. I'm not going to treat them right. Why should I work hard? They're not doing what they should for me. You have ability to control what you do. I saw this sign I wanted to share with you. I thought you'd get a kick out of it. This time about control. Never take a sleeping pill on a laxative on the same night. <laughs> Meditate on that when you get home. It'll be funny. You have control over that. Did you know that? By the way, if you take an Ambien, you might later on take a laxative if you're still awake. So just keep that in mind. Be be aware of that. 
I saw another sign, and I'm going to paraphrase it. It basically says, things happen, all things happen for a reason. Sometimes we're dumb and make bad decisions. Amen? That's true. You're, you're in control of what you do. You're, of, you're in control of your actions. I'm, I'm going to use me, not any of you guys in front of me, any of you young ones in front of me. But here was the excuse when I was growing up, when you got caught doing stuff you shouldn't be. Well, they were doing it. Well, I mean, you know, everybody else does it. And, and adults, we're the same way. God says, you don't control anybody else, but you control you. You control your actions. You control what you do. Well, my, my wife doesn't. You control you. Well, my husband, that you control your actions. You're responsible for them, I promise you. You control your actions. Here's the fifth thing and a big thing. You control your words. You control your words. How many of you ever get in trouble by what you say? Some of you get in trouble because you're just dishonest. You didn't raise your hand, right? I saw a friend of mine posted something on social media. He said, why do the police have the right to tell my wife to remain silent? And when I do, I get a fork in my leg. <laughs> your words, right? Absolutely. Did y'all hear the story? I think this is true about the old preacher who got dentures. Uppers and lowers. Had to take off a month. He came back, and the first week he preached 10 minutes. People like that. I know how y'all are. Next week he preached 20. That's okay. That's still within the lunch time frame. The third week he came back, and he preached an hour and a half. And after church, some of the leaders concerned called him back. Pastor, your preaching is weird. Well, tell us what's going on. He goes, well, the first week back, my dentures were new, and they hurt my mouth, and I could only preach for 10 minutes. Okay. Second week, you went 20. Well, I was just more comfortable. They felt better. They felt comfortable. I said, you preached an hour and a half today. What happened? He goes, well, when I sat down, I realized I'd put my wife's dentures in. I had control over my words there, and I, I blew it, didn't I? I shouldn't have used that. Proverbs ten nineteen. Proverbs 10, 19. Too much talk leads to sin, but sensible people keep their pie hole shut. Too much talk leads to sin. Guard your mouth. James 1, 19. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen and slow to Speak thoughtful and restrained in how you speak. I, I, this week I kind of I, I examined, just looking back over things in my life when I've been in serious conversations. And here's kind of what I figured, and, and many of you would be, be very close. Going back and looking at conversations, about 10% of the time I look back and I go, man, I wish I would have said more, a lot more than I did in a meeting. Probably 15% of the time, I would look and say, you know, I wish I would have said something a lot different. That leaves 75% of the time when I probably would have been better just not to have said near as much. You blame a lot of people for things you say. You say things you shouldn't say. We have attitudes that stink. We're in control of them. We're in control of our mouths. We're in control of our words. And lastly, we're in control of our anger wonder if you really believe this. Is there a time to be angry? There is. An injustice. 
abuse. But let me just say this. If, if you're trying to follow Jesus and do it his way, and that's the best way, even if you're not a Christian, the times that you should be angry should be rare. I love hearing the, the goofball who will say this. Well, Jesus got mad like that's their license to be a hothead. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus got mad. I think maybe three times it's recorded in the Bible. Every time it was about religious people. That ought to scare us as a church. Twice he got ran people out of the temple. Another time he was angry because the, the Jewish religious people were just so difficult and so impossible to deal with. To think that Jesus walked around mad all the time is ridiculous. Jesus wasn't an angry person. And when Jesus, the few times he did get angry, he didn't sin. Most of us aren't very good at that. Control your anger. Proverbs 29, 11. Fools. Man, that's strong. Vent their anger. But a wise person holds back their anger. Let's look at that James 1, 19, but we're going to add verse 20 this time. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteous life God desires. Years ago, I was teaching a Sunday school class. I was about 27 or 28. There was a lot of people in the class my age. There was one guy in there who was kind of argumentative. He was very intelligent, very well educated. And I was talking about anger. And at the end of the lesson, here's what he said, because we had an open discussion. He goes, I'm just bad-tempered. That's who I am. My dad was bad-tempered. My brother's bad-tempered. That's just who I am. And I wish I would, this is one of the times I wish I would have said something. And differently, I wish I would have leaned forward and said, you're just an idiot. I'm glad I didn't. Don't you blame your temper on your mom or dad. Here's what we do. They made me mad. It's not my, it's not my fault. They made me mad. People can do some things that you should get angry about. Far and few in between. But don't blame people when you get mad. If you get mad at someone, make sure it's righteous and own it. You choosing to be angry at what they've done. Maybe you should be. AAA interviewed thousands of people about driving and road rage. And they asked them, do you experience road rage? And I think people always fudge down on this, but 80% yes. We tailgate people. We honk at people. We make signals at people we shouldn't. We're Christian. We don't make the signals. We just think them in our mind. You are in control of your anger. Don't use your dad or your mom or your family or your bloodline or your husband or your wife as an excuse. You are in control of your temper. So here's the question today. What are we going to do with all this? See, just to simplify everything that we've talked about, if you bring it back down, it's that first point. You are in control of you. And in that, someday... You and I are going to stand before God. We're going to give an account of how we did with these things. 2 Corinthians 5.10. In two weeks, I'm going to be talking about the judgment of God. We must all stand before the judgment of Christ. Christians, non-Christians, we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done while in this earthly body. Folks, God's not going to hold you accountable for things you can't control And you're not responsible for it. But everything I listed today, you have control over. 
And you better believe that God is going to call you and me to an account over him someday. So I ask you, what will we do with it? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I'm going to challenge you more in just a moment, but I hope God is speaking to your heart. I hope you're willing to make some decisions about your life to be different today. If you're not a Christian and you're ready to cross that line with Jesus, you're ready to today, pray with me. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I am a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And the neat thing is, and the scary thing, you've got control over what you do in the next few minutes. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus in your life, or you're ready to do that. We'll talk to you after church, or when we stand, you can come today and cross that line with Christ. Will you do it? Maybe you'd like to join the church. You can do that after church, or you can come right now. Some of you need to join. You need a church family. Come and join us today. As a Christian, some of you, you're doing well. Keep it up. Others of you, that there's things in this list that we are way off on. And that with the help of Jesus Christ today, we need to get back on track. It's your tro- choice. Let's stand. God leads you.